Good morning. In 1930 in Germany, roughly 4 million people were unemployed, creating somewhere between a 15 and 20 percent unemployment rate. In those days, the country was, to say the least, in dire straits. The only thing that mattered, the only thing that anyone was talking about was jobs, jobs, jobs. Economy, economy, economy. It was into this very tumultuous scene that a 41-year-old man who led the National Socialist Party emerged with an economic plan for Germany that would turn things around. Many, many good ideas that immediately caused a massive drop in unemployment and rallied the country around the National Socialist Party. And subsequently led to them taking over full control of the government. After several years of such a severe economic downturn, things were finally looking up and the general public was so focused on jobs in financial matters that they failed to notice that the National Socialist Party had also begun to pass other laws. A particular law that was seemingly unimportant and only affected one group of people. The law was the first of what was referred to as the Nuremberg Laws and simply stated that Jewish citizens were not allowed to own pets or bikes. Pets or bikes. However, ten years later, the National Socialist Party, otherwise known as the Nazis, led by Adolf Hitler, had brutally executed six million of them. Now, I wonder if we could go back to the early 30s and hear the discussions and debates among the German citizens that were not persecuted. If they wouldn't have sounded something like, well, it's just bikes and pets. Look at what the man has done for jobs. Concentration camps, yeah, I've heard of them. But you know what? I'm not a one-issue voter. I like to look at all of the issues. And frankly, the Socialist Party is doing many, many good things in many other areas. Are they really killing humans after all? The party has made a strong case that Jews are not really people like the rest of us, and therefore, why should they have a choice? This last week, friends, we marked the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Forty-eight years. Did you know? 
Better yet, did you care? Because since that time, we have executed over 60 million children in the United States of America, the land of the free, equal opportunity for all. Over 60 million children. Did you know? Did you care? Globally, we are approaching 2 billion children. Billion. 2 billion. And if that was not troubling enough, globally this next year, we will kill 40 to 50 million children. Today and every day this year of 2021, we will execute 3,000 children in the United States of America. We're more worried about this virus than we are the destruction of our kids. I ask you, what's the real killer? Not the invisible enemy. No, no, no. (laughs) This is being done by our own hand. Sanctioned by our laws and ignored by our people. How do you feel when I see the Nazis or Adolf Hitler? What sentiment comes to mind? Because we are making them look like moderates. So what do we do? Well, first and foremost, this is the issue of our time. Unfortunately, even some in the church, our leaders, have said that there are other issues that are equal to this. There, there is not. After we can get beyond killing babies, then maybe we can talk about things like the environment. But killing children right now is the front and center issue. There is nothing that outweighs it, and it is frankly the only issue that matters. We are killing our children. Mothers are killing their children. Fathers are killing their children. Doctors are killing babies. This is a demonic party. He can't think of anything that can possibly trump this. 
So this is front and center. Now, we have heard it said that we should pray. And I agree. But sometimes that's too vague. And so I'm going to offer you what you should be praying for intensely. Because I think it's the jujitsu move that God might play his card with here shortly. I hope so. Then again, who am I to tell the Lord anything? But our government right now, at its very highest positions, is filled with Catholics. The President of the United States of America is a Catholic. Second time. Our President, Joseph Biden, is a Catholic. Now when I say that, many faithful Catholics immediately get angry. Or if I say the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is a Catholic, many practicing Catholics get very, very, very angry. I'm convinced that if I had breakfast with Joe Biden, I would actually like the man. He seems like a very nice guy, a family man, a grandfather, a father. The problem that the Catholic family has with this particular Catholic person is this person is not voting and they're subsequently living the Catholic truth, the deposit of faith. But it does not mean that the man is not a Catholic. It does not mean that the man is not president. And so here's where we need to pray. I am calling on all my people, and anyone who might be watching this, to pray for the conversion, the Catholic conversion, of our president, Joe Biden. Do you have enough faith to believe that can happen? If you don't, I offer you the example of St. Paul. St. Paul was a Jew. The early Christian church were all Jews who had accepted Jesus as the Messiah and subsequently were called Christians, but they weren't called Christians right away. They were the Jewish followers of Jesus, and Jesus was the Messiah. And so for Paul to be arresting and killing them would have made them extremely angry and afraid. And so they prayed. And what did Jesus do? Jesus appeared to Paul, the murderer, who killed the first martyr, St. Stephen, and converted him. And we don't remember St. Paul as the murderous Pharisee. We remember St. Paul as one of the greatest people ever to live. A super apostle who converted the Gentile world. We wouldn't even be here without him. And so God works in mysterious ways. And it just so happens that the upper echelon of the U.S. government 
is now filled with Catholics. How awesome would it be if God did something only God can do? And that is change their hearts back to the truth. Sometime this year or the next, our president is out saying, you know, I had this moment of enlightenment and I have had to change my mind in regards to life and the sanctity of that life in the womb. I've been wrong and I'm sorry. We can pray for it. But the only person that can do that is Jesus. And it's about time we started returning to him. Man is never going to figure this mess out. But he can do anything. As the scriptures say, nothing is impossible for God. Second, we need to publicly witness against these things. The problem is, is we've been immersed in it way too long. I, at 44, have never known a year without abortion. As a matter of fact, those of us from Generation X on down are survivors of the greatest Holocaust that has ever existed. I still teach up at Bishop Ryan. We had a great discussion the other day in my class about living right now. If you are alive then you have something to really thank God for because you were conceived in a womb that wanted you, that loved and cherished you, that gave life and birth to you. Upwards around two billion people did not have that blessing. Sixty-plus million in our own country. So maybe make a call to mom today and dad today and say, thanks for loving me. Survivors of the Holocaust. And so as survivors, as Catholics... As followers of the living God, we are supporters of life and testaments to that life. And so even if it causes friction in your social groups and in your families, you need to find your voice like never before. Now is the time. Remember, Jesus didn't say, I've come to bring peace upon earth. No, he said, I've come to bring a sword. And someday at your judgment, he will ask, did you stand up for me and what the church taught? Or were you a coward? 
And so when the opportunity presents itself, as the scriptures say, you are as innocent as a dove, but as cunning as a serpent, and we need to stand for life. And one of the reasons, maybe the reason that we need to stand for life is because this is a serious, serious, serious matter. And I'm not just talking about the killing of children. I'm talking about the repercussions of it. Somewhere along the line, we have totally forgotten about the justice of God. Now, I will say this first. When we start talking about the numbers of children that we have killed, the first thing that should come to mind is the unfathomable mercy of God. The fact that we have been allowed to do this as he patiently waits for our repentance is the greatest testament to the mercy of Jesus Christ that has ever happened in the history of the last 2,000 years. That being said, I ask you to consider Jerusalem. Jeremiah, for the good portion of his ministry begged and pleaded that they repent from what? Many things, but from the main one, which was child sacrifice to the false god of Moloch and Baal. The Lord through him said they had laid waste the land and had turned it into an abomination soaked with the blood of their children. And he preached this right up until Nebuchadnezzar and the armies of Babylon were outside of the gates of Jerusalem. And they still did not repent, and Babylon smashed it to the ground. Took him into exile for 70 years, and then they were allowed to return. That is the justice of God. And it's usually the last resort. But it is a reality. And so I leave you with this scripture passage from the book of Revelation. When the Lamb opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow brothers and sisters had been killed as they had been. Around two billion Innocent children are dead. How long before the Lord avenges their blood? The great prophetic voice of the early 1900s was Archbishop Sheen. It's one of my heroes. And he was known for the statement, the end of abortion is nuclear war. 
If the destruction of Jerusalem was the justice for thousands, what is the just sentence for two billion? We must repent. Do we really believe that God will allow this forever?